Hey everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Williams. And joining us is someone who has um, been with us before, Joseph Hammond. Joseph is the senior reporter at the American Media Institute, and he focuses on Middle East affairs. He's written an outstanding piece that uh, was published in this week's edition of Forbes magazine. You can get it online. The name of the article that he penned is A Shift in U.S. and Saudi Relations Might Be Trump's Most Dramatic Diplomatic Achievement Yet. Obviously, there are things going on in the diplomatic world in the Middle East that uh, President Trump at this time may not be getting credit for. Uh, yes, uh, you know, um, certainly um, as that article uh, in, in, in Forbes uh, suggests uh, and that we've you know, spoken about in the past, you know, that uh, the Saudi uh, General Asseri uh, wrote an op-ed which was uh, published by Fox News, uh, mm-hmm. which signaled the Saudis' willingness uh, to change uh, some of their foreign policy directions. Um, this was reciprocated uh, on the congressional side by this op-ed being uh, introduced to the congressional record uh, by Royce, and that was really one of the you know public things that showed that you know a lot of behind-the-scenes uh, negotiations um, that have been going on between the Saudis. Apparently, uh, it's been reported the Saudis uh, had reached out to uh, Trump and, and, and Kushner very early on, um, and had really felt that they had gotten um, a bad deal under the Obama administration regarding Iran. Um, regarding the the conflict in in Yemen, um, and really now feel that uh, you know they they have a someone in the White House they can they can talk and and, and do business uh, with. Um, so that has been a uh, you know a really a, the dramatic foreign policy achievement um, you know of the, the Trump administration, probably uh, the greatest one that he's achieved so far. And that again is you know very publicly demonstrated by the fact that his first. Uh, you know, foreign policy trip, the first place he's headed to. Obviously, um, he will also visit uh, the Vatican and Israel uh, mm-hmm. and attend a NATO summit uh, in Italy. But the first place he's going is Saudi Arabia, where he's going to address a gathering of the uh, the world's uh, Muslim leaders. From this standpoint, uh, this is going to be probably one of the most uh, scrutinized trips because it's his first and obviously uh, a very interesting situation of uh, addressing the Saudi leaders and the, and also in this case as you said the Muslim leaders as well I, that's got to be uh, a pretty heavy um, and pretty uh, amazing first step uh, it really is. It really is, and I think that you know it's it's not going to be uh, you know just rhetoric. Uh, Trump is a businessman, um, and uh, he clearly you know the Saudis also have a very transactional uh, view of things, and I, I think there's a lot of uh, area for for prom- common ground. Um, you know, we've already seen um, you know according to media reports. Um, we don't know how much the, the final numbers uh, will be, and we know that often with uh, you know memorandums of understanding, the actual numbers can end. But I, sure. I think it's we've seen so far that around $100 billion in weapon sales uh, will be going to Saudi Arabia from American companies, and it looks like the majority of these uh, weapons will be built in the United States. And that is really keeping with one of Trump's messages about providing jobs. These are going to be you know good, uh, high-quality uh, jobs uh, that are reducing you know weapon systems for one of our our key. Allies. Allies in the region. One of the ways I think that this uh, has this the story about U.S. arms has been uh, misreported is 
um, one of the stories that got a lot of traction in Trump's policy uh, versus that of President Obama was that um, you know the headlines were Trump overturns uh, Obama holdup on um, sales of weapons to Saudi Arabia over concerns about the way of the war in Yemen, which uh, where Saudi Arabia is leading a coalition against Iranian-backed rebels, was being waged. That was a big uh, headline that we saw in a lot of publications um, regarding Obama, but those headlines would leave out the fact that under Obama, uh, the Saudis bought more weapons uh, than uh, ever before, um, and Obama visited Saudi Arabia more times than any other president, um, but you saw on his last trip there um, the way that he was uh, received. Um, and in fact, the lack of the reception that he received in many ways. Uh, on his final trip to, to Saudi Arabia, he was not greeted at the airport uh, by a senior member of the royal family um, or the king himself, as is usually the case. Uh, mm -hmm. His arrival, um, where he spoke to a much smaller gathering of the GCC states, the Gulf Arab allies, essentially, um, his arrival uh, was not broadcast on Saudi television. Um, so you see a very different reception this time around uh, for Trump's uh, trip to, to, to Saudi Arabia. Well, you were over in the Middle East, in the Saudi area, and um, what do you think is going to be um, his reception? I mean, what what are they saying about President Trump? What uh, uh, throughout the Middle East and throughout your travels in that region, what do they know what to expect? Are they and are they excited? Or are they uh, do they have you know uh, apprehension? What's what's the feeling going on in the Middle East with regard to uh, this trip and and President Trump. Right. I'm just back from a, a trip uh, to uh, the Sudan and very, very briefly uh, Qatar as well. And uh, I think that the reception um, that Trump is receiving um, in those cap capitals is exceptional. Um, I think that on a popular level, um, while there might be some resentment uh, against some of his policies, uh, such as the, the, the travel ban, I think at the elite level, people that are really you know thinking about their country's interests and what Trump is trying to accomplish, that they're, they're very receptive um, to this meeting of Muslim leaders, which is really uh, exceptional. Um, and I think it also, I mean, it doesn't speak just to Trump, though. It also should speak to the fact that Saudi Arabia, when it really wants to, uh, can put together um, a massive uh, assembly of, you know, the leaders of Muslim-majority states um, like this. And it's a historic opportunity. Um, this will be covered, obviously, by the media outlets in all these uh, Muslim countries. So uh, it's a really historic opportunity for, for Trump to, um, you know, speak to these countries and talk about areas of common interest. Um, you know, uh, it was very interesting. You know, the National Security Advisor, um, McMaster, uh, you know, was talking about what, you know, Trump was, was going to uh, seek to achieve there. And it's new and bold steps was the very interesting phrase that used, new and bold steps. Um, and I think that, you know, some of those new and bold steps we've heard talk about is discussion of a uh, so-called Arab NATO between some of the main capitals in the Arab region. Um, this would, you know, talk, be part of, you know, Trump's campaign message about having the Arab allies play a larger role. Uh, in, in the fight on terror. And, uh, you know, it's also um, about, uh, you know, building uh, new relationships with countries that have, um, quite frankly, supported the U.S. Uh, war on terror for a long time. Uh, and one of those countries in the Sudan. Now, uh, in a lot of media outlets, there has been some uh, criticism of the fact that uh, the Sudanese president, Omar al-Bashir, um, who is under ICC uh, sanctions, will be attending this um, visit in uh, Saudi Arabia. But you really couldn't have um, a meeting 
of the you know Arab world's most important leaders without uh, Al Bashir. Uh, the Sudan, mm-hmm. even after the independence of South Sudan, is the third most populous Arab country. Um, the country is very strategically located and has been contributing um, to U.S. national security on intelligence uh, efforts since uh, before uh, you know 9/11. And it's also very interesting, I think, just to talk about the way the media. Uh, I know this is a politically incorrect podcast, uh, discusses some of these topics, is there's been a lot of discussion about Bashir's attendance um, at this meeting, and it's very unlikely um, that, uh, you know, uh, they're going to have, you know, Trump is going to have a long discussion with Bashir. You know, he's been mm-hmm. invited for the reasons I suggested. But there was, you know, very little uh, media mentioned the fact that in 2015, an investment summit, Secretary of State uh, John Kerry uh, was also at a conference, a much smaller conference in which Bashir attended and posed for a photo um, with the assembled uh, world leaders at that conference in which he is in that photo with Bashir. Yeah, I, you know, I think that um, one of the things that um... – is underreported, and perhaps you can shed some light on it, is the importance of the Saudis as a military partner. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, Saudi Arabia uh, is has made huge investments to modernize um, their military in the last few years. Um, and, you know, they are one of our most reliable uh, allies in, in the region, and they buy all American equipment. So when they're buying uh, military equipment, they're making great jobs here in the United States. And, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia has Iran across the Gulf on one side. Right now, Saudi Arabia is leading a coalition um, in Yemen to help restore the internationally recognized government of of Yemen that was overthrown by uh, Iranian-supported Houthi rebels. And uh, Saudi Arabia has continued to step up to the plate on on these issues. They've uh, done a lot of improvements, according to my sources, in terms of, you know, uh, dealing with, you know, foreign fighter issues and terrorism finance. Um, And this is a country, I think, you know, I think behind the addition to the, you know, the hard security concerns, we also forget that Saudi Arabia has something, I think, like $750 billion worth of U.S. debt. Um, And they, you know, could continue to go elsewhere for that. But one of the things I think what's going to happen with the Trump trip is that instead you're going to see – that was something that was brought up under Obama. The Saudis, you know, said, well, you know, maybe that could potentially be sold. What we're going to see, I think, uh, out of Trump's visit uh, is a degree from the Saudis to invest uh, in American infrastructure, um, which will, again, create jobs here, benefit Americans, and I'm sure make a a nifty profit for the, uh, the Saudi sovereign wealth funds. Um, they're going to invest in it. But yes, uh, the, the Saudi military, I mean, if you go back to at one point in the 70s and 80s, you had, a, you know, a large contingent of it was essentially, you know, Pakistani forces on loan. Um, it's really improved in, in terms of quality and quantity. Um, and, uh, you know, it continues to upgrade. One of the things that's been very clear about it's um, the war in Yemen, where the Saudis realize they need to have significant upgrades is uh, in naval warfare. You know, it's not mentioned that unlike, you know, the current uh, wars and insurgencies we see in Libya, in Syria, um, Iraq, uh, the war in Yemen has a strong naval component. Uh, and there was a Saudi, uh, you know, there was a U.S. Uh, destroyer, the USS Mason, which came under fire from uh, missiles uh, launched by Houthi rebels. Uh, the Saudis had a, a, one of their frigates uh, attacked by um either a suicide boat or a drone, it's unclear. Um, so that's been one of the areas the Saudis are also looking to um, improve their capabilities with American hardware. One of the things that you had mentioned a little earlier in this conversation that I found fascinating, I wonder if we could revisit it for a moment, and that is the possibility 
of a Mideastern version of NATO. How would that work? Right. Uh, this is an idea that has been on the table before. Um, you know, we could go back to um, Egypt, 1962, uh, is involved in a war in Yemen that involves other Arab uh, countries. Uh, there actually was in the Cold War uh, an organization uh, called CENTO, uh, which was going to be literally a carbon copy of, of NATO uh, for the Middle East. But the idea has um, reemerged most recently in 2015 uh, when Egypt was floating the idea of playing the leadership role. Um, but uh, the capabilities of the Egyptian military aside, it doesn't have a deep uh, pocketbook uh, that the Saudis do. And the Saudis are really seem to be um, supporting the creation of a you know Arab NATO, which would be you know integrated military command on certain operations, uh, and perhaps a rapid reaction uh, deployment force that could be ready to deal with things like Yemen or Libya when they break out. And um, you know, it's unclear which countries would participate, but Saudi Arabia, the UAE, certainly Jordan, which is one of our, our reliable allies. Right. Uh, you know. Egypt and, and, and Jordan, though right now, um, until there's there's some tension in the uh, Egyptian-Saudi uh, relationship uh, that might complicate this, um, and which is part of the reason uh, that I was just talking about Sudan. Sudan has really stepped up to the table and you know put 10,000 troops to support the Saudi coalition um, in, in Yemen and broken you know its past relationships um, with, uh, with with Iran. Uh, so that's another country that could potentially uh, be be part of this. But uh, the the core will be this is our failure of this initiative. We rely on the Saudi and possibly Emirati willingness to pay for the development of such an organization, which mm -hmm. can hopefully smooth over any um, rivalries between the various capitals in the region. Right. From your standpoint. You know, what would be a successful trip for President Trump in this first uh, foray overseas? Well, I think that, uh, you know, um, he's obviously expecting um, some major uh, diplomatic and economic breakthroughs from this. In fact, his final stop uh, on this trip, which concludes on May 27th, uh, according to the published itinerary, will be to address uh, veterans and, and military families uh, in, in Italy about some of the accomplishments of the trip. So mm -hmm. I think for uh, President Trump, um, one of the you know key accomplishments will be um, the you know signing of a substantial agreement uh, with the Saudis agreement or agreements um, that will allow uh, you know the Saudis to purchase large numbers of, of U.S. weapons, you know, and uh, potentially billions of dollars of sales there. Uh, which will create jobs. I think a substantial uh, Saudi, you know, memorandum of understanding about Saudi investment in the U.S. will be successful. So you have, you know, in this way, that trip, you know, plays to his base. And I think at the other time, if he can go over to the Middle East and, you know, assure allies that, you know, remained uh, wary of, of dealing with the Obama administration that, yes, the, the Iran nuclear agreement is going to stand, uh, but we are being very vigilant, uh, and we're here to support you in the fight against uh, al-Qaeda, uh, al-Shabaab, um, you know, and, and, and ISIS and these, these other uh, non-state terrorist actors that the region is dealing with. Joseph, um, what are you working on next? I know that you have um... – Varied interests and a lot of amazing things that you guys are doing over there at the American Media Institute. Uh, so what are we? Um, what are you pondering and working on as we speak? Yes, uh, I'm working on some uh, you know stories that'll come out of my uh, recent reporting trip uh, to Sudan, where uh, I got to meet, uh, interview the foreign minister, 
and the Minister of Finance, and also uh, Ibrahim Mahmoud, uh, who is the uh, vice president of the, the ruling party about uh, that country's, you know, shift in its direction. I think it's, a, you know, uh, there's a tie-in here with, you know, what the Trump administration will do. Um, in July, a window in which sanctions were lifted against Sudan um, during the final month of Obama administration um, will be up for renewal. If it will be permanently opened, uh, the lifting of sanctions, um, if that's going to go through or not, uh, it looks so far that the Trump administration, you know, understands the role that uh, Sudan has played in counterterrorism, and I mentioned uh, Yemen as well, um, and also, you know, the fact that. Uh, you know, uh, as you know, Ibrahim Mahmoud mentioned when I was interviewing him, the fact that you know Chinese companies, uh, Gulf companies, Indian companies are playing a large role in, like I said earlier, the third largest uh, Arab economy by population. Um, so there's a, a lot of opportunities there for American businesses uh, as as well uh, if sanctions remain lifted. So I'm working on that and uh, additional uh, national security stories, um, you know, tied to the region. Well, Joseph Hammond, who is a senior reporter at the American Media Institute. We thank you very much. Joseph, where can we find you on social media? Uh, at the Joseph H. on Twitter. Okay. And where can we read all of your fine work? Uh, at the American Media Institute, uh, we have a newswire, which is uh, aminewswire.org, and I uh, also uh, publish for other publications as well. Well, that brings to a close yet another edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Williams. And by the way, if you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, it's simple enough to do. All you have to do is go to iTunes or the Google Play Store. You can get it at Blog Talk Radio or you can get it at Stitcher. That's right, Stitcher, where there's a ton of outstanding content with regard, if you're a podcast fan, uh, you got to go to Stitcher because they have everything from the political podcast to just general interest stuff. So by all means, go to Stitcher, check us out there. So get the Politically Incorrect podcast delivered right to your phone or to your email. It's not that tough to do. We'd like to thank Joseph Hammond, who joined us today. Joseph, of course, is from the American Media Institute, where he is a senior reporter. So many thanks to Joseph. Well, that is it for this edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast. Again, I'm Jim Williams, your host. We hope that you have a wonderful weekend.